0: Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk.
1: When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your
2: income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com.
3: It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate
4: and Steve Kelly.
0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the program, my fellas, Saturday Sports Talk. How are you, Mr. Tate?
4: Very fine. A lot of stuff going on. I just seem to feel like I've been reading for twenty-four hours.
0: Well, yeah. To our knowledge, uh, overnight the Big Ten has not added anybody else <laughs> that we know of. Certainly, a bombshell coming on uh, Thursday afternoon with uh, UCLA and Southern Cal. We'll talk about that as we uh, move along this morning, but. Uh, I had several people ask me, "Did you see that coming?" And uh, well, no, uh, I didn't. I don't think anybody did. No, maybe down the road if you stop to think about it a little bit, but uh, I didn't. I didn't see that going coast to coast.
4: It's the money, Steve. Follow only, the money. Yeah, they're only getting a thirty-some million out of uh, the, the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 attendance has been very poor at other schools. And I, I think uh, you know Bill pa- Platsky, uh, a great writer out of Los Angeles. Uh, who once wrote a great column about Chief Alina? Work by the way, um, I remember I met him when we were at the Rose Bowl, and he uh, he said that the league has the league was dying, the Pac-12 was dying because of viewership. This will bring at least to bring these two uh, UCLA and USC back into the thing, but I don't know what to say about the other schools in in the Pac-12. They're in trouble.
0: We'll talk more about that as we move along, but we've got Justin Spring. On the uh, line at an airport getting ready to go through security. Justin, we appreciate your time. Uh, Congratulations on your upcoming career change or at least uh, location change. Tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, went into that thought process to make that move to Alabama.
5: Well, there wasn't much of a thought process, to be honest with you. (laughs) I got, uh, you guys got me? Can you hear me? Yes, got you fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, we, uh, you know, I got a text. you know, I was never really, um, I, I joke throughout my entire career, you know, seeing how much more, seeing the popularity of women's college gymnastics kind of recently spiral out of control and in obviously great ways, right? They just television coverage, support, number of programs, um, coaches, coaches opportunities, uh, you know, and salaries, everything, you know, trending as a business model, as a sport model, and college athletics going in the right direction, it's, I was like, that sounds great, but I've, you know, I've been a men's coach my entire life. Um, I know that we share two events, but I've always believed that there's such significant differences that you can't just hop back and forth. Even though technically the gymnastics is essentially the same, right? You throw a ball the same way, you do vault the same way, and that's inherently true. Um, so I never, you know, I never really thought more of that. I, you know, and then um, I just started with the text about. I guess, two weeks ago at this point. And, um, you know, it was a uh, Ashley Priest-Johnson is someone who I've known for a long time. We're on the national team circuit for a while. And she worked here as an assistant coach for one year and got to develop a really great relationship with her and her husband and just really was really fond of her. And then, you know, she's been at Auburn for five years and then got this new huge gig back at her alma mater where she won a national championship title as an athlete at Alabama. And she said, hey, would you want to coach women's gymnastics? I was like, uh, maybe, (laughs) you know, like, and then we started talking through it and, and I was blunt, you know, with her, like, I I love diving headfirst into big challenges and, um, and, and things I'm uncomfortable with. I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, but I just, you know, this is, I wasn't going to be the head coach. So I just want to make sure she knew what she was getting into. And she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I still need you here on the staff. I was like, what else do you want to know? And I was like, Oh no, like this, it just instantly started to turn real. And then, so there's, it started really mostly with that excitement piece. But then at the same time, the reality of leaving a program that I really felt like I've developed and, you know, created, and been obviously been a part of in so many different facets over the last 20 years started to hit me hard and weigh on me heavily. And, you know, I started dreading having to tell my team that I, um, that I created uh, or that I recruited you know put together created and I just it's been a heck of a week to say the least um it's been an emotional
6: roller coaster
5: um and I'm still on one we just we're actually flying back to Champaign right now we did we did not find a house that fits our family in Tuscaloosa so we were hoping to at least check that off and we did not we did not get the chance to do that unfortunately so
4: well, Justin, my question is very much uh, going back 50 some years. You know, it was there were 210 men's gymnastics team in the country. And I believe last year yep. were, uh, from the Division One there were only 12. What ha- I mean, obviously, Title Nine happened. But why has there been such a drop? And what does it mean to to the U.S. team as far as the Olympics are concerned? If you don't have college gymnastics, can can uh, the clubs make up for it?
5: they're going to have to, right. You know, right now you've got these 12, 12 national, you know, training centers that are college, you know, college teams and, you know, and the 80s will be the first to tell you like we love that aspect of it, but that's not the business that we're in. Right. Um, so, you know, I, that's not the, <laughs> there, there's a little bit of a conflict you know, it's not the same model, right. Like training to be the best college team, and then having athletes that are pursuing the Olympic goals and dreams uh, detract a little bit from each other. I mean, it's the same timeline, but, yeah, essentially, you know, it's expensive to travel three guys to USA championships across the country to compete at the qualifier, U.S. championships. Like, that, that's all on the company dime of the university. And so for that support, we've been forever grateful. It's the reason I made an Olympic team. But at the same time, um, you know, we almost spent equal money on um, – those, those types of trips uh, as we did uh, our team budget. And so, you know, I think that, you know, so, so, so yes, they've been great in in those programs in that capacity, but then going back to, yeah, we've gone from hundreds of programs to so few title nine is the culprit. But I think that the real ugly situation is the money that's getting involved. And, and, and I say ugly kind of joking because it's the money that's gotten in, in, you know, funneling into college athletics is insane now, right? We love it. It's amazing. It's, The reason i'm able to you know coach a men's gymnastics team and make a great living and have a great salary to support my family three kids and um but now it's you know big money and and keeping up the 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 programs that matter like football and basketball that kind of drive this this revenue engine um you start to look at man men's gym's total you know your your operating budget costs this department nine hundred thousand dollars you know like a year what could we do with $900,000 if we invested that into Illinois football, mm-hmm. like basketball? And, and, you know, I, I'm absolutely positive. Josh has thought about those things, but other ADs have thought about those things and said, yeah, we could really benefit from doing that. And also, you know, you know, shore up our title nine numbers into a little bit better place. And so, Hey, title nine was out of whack. We just have to make some cuts. And then bam, $900,000 gets back into, Funneling into sports that help drive this revenue engine to help, uh, you know, the, the the athletic departments do what they really want to do, which is keep advancing football, basketball, and, and the other, you know, other programs.
4: Well, Justin, so that's an, what's
5: happened over 40, 40, 50 years.
4: Yeah. When you get when you mentioned the word expense, I think about the the uh, possibility of injuries involved in gymnastics. It seemed like there's more in that sport than many. Uh, is that true? I mean, is it costly just to have the insurance for the uh, for the potential injuries?
5: Well, so I don't think like I don't think big universities actually even have technically insurance in that capacity. They have medical insurance, but like I don't think it's it, I don't think that it's to the effect that um, the insurance bill, like your premium, is, is what's bearing the athletic department. I, I think that it does require, you know, yes, yeah, yeah, because of the the medical frequency of little things to big things and every year yeah we probably have three to four surgeries at the end of our of our season yeah you have full-time trainer that's dedicated to men's gymnastics we didn't used to we do now you know um so and, but and, yeah and that all adds up you're looking at personnel you're looking at salaries you're looking at um everything that goes in yeah gymnastics gymnastics in general is cumbersome you know when you look at you know, wrestling, wrestling was having the same issue over the last 30, 40 years, and all of a sudden they realized, hey, we can share the volleyball gym, roll up a mat into the corner, split our time with, uh, you know, every other sport in the general weight weight gym, and have a pretty awesome competitive program. That's all it takes. Um, whereas men's gymnastics, you know, and, and, and women's gymnastics, you need 10,000 square foot venues, training venues, um, dug in pits. And, and holes you know like that are permanently set for for our training stuff and it's it, it can be a little bit more cumbersome and i think that's been a little bit of a challenge um with, with gymnastics as a whole in this new era of of high level sports performance
0: talking to justin spring you still okay for a minute or two
5: yeah yeah i'm just gonna get out the rental car but i'm gonna
0: that we're good guys okay we'll keep you another couple of minutes but uh do you have any general thoughts on this uh, Big Ten expansion and uh, the way things are going uh, nationwide with these soon-to-be super conferences? I mean, I, I
5: mean I, you know, Josh is uh, Josh is incredibly um, insightful, right? Like he he started talking about these things happening years and years and years ago, and so I'm, you know, when the announcements come, he's done a great job involving us and. His, his ideas and thoughts about what's to come down the pipeline for college athletics. And this is exactly what he said. was going to start happening. The conferences are going to start becoming bigger. And so, yeah, when I saw the press release, I was like, yep, spot on Josh, you know, like he's, he read the tea leaves correctly in this one. So um, it is surprising to think that, yeah, the big 10 now, it, it's funny just that the conferences aren't really regional anymore. They're geographically, you know, next to each other, but to some extent, that's on purpose now, right? That's where your the Big Ten now has presence in the in the in the media networks of the co- of the West Coast. That's exa- That was that was by design, right? Like they, that's exactly why they did that. So um, no, that's not surprising. I think it's crazy to think that UCLA is is in. Um, I think it's crazy to think that UCLA is in the Big Ten Conference in USC. But um, that's awesome, right? Like you know you want bigger, better, more you know, dominant, you know, teams that have prestige and exposure within their own markets to come to the Big Ten Conference, that just makes us stronger. So it makes sense. Just, I guess i got to stop saying us,
4: right? <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll always be on the line Justin, but do you That's see...
5: Right. Right. You never, You've never taken that away from yeah. me. Yeah.
4: Do you see um, men's gymnastics actually surviving much longer? I mean, this had to be part of your decision, didn't it? I mean, don't you? I mean, when you're down to this few schools, how long will the NCAA go along with this? And how many schools might. I don't think. Go ahead. Yeah,
5: yeah the NCAA is not going to pull the, the rug out from under a championship. Um, they're just under hellfire with too many things right now. I think the bigger problem and the real problem that's been happening here is here is the individual schools, mm-hmm. one by one this waterfall, this cascade effect. And that, I mean, that's how we've gotten to where we've gotten. It's not been this big exodus, you know, like this big hammer gets dropped and then we lose half our teams. It's just been one by one. When I started head coaching, we had 20, you know, low 20, 23 or 24, like just 12 years ago, you know? And so it's like, it's like one every year, one every two years. That's what happened. Um, we lose a program. Um, and so, yes, I, I, from from year one when I took over head coaching I saw this as a problem back when we had twenty four programs. And I've fighting like hell to try to put and reposition men's gymnastics that fits the model of college athletics within the NCAA and I have been met with incredible resistance to the point that, you know, some of these other coaches and, and people in the industry look at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, I, I don't want to change men's gym. There's just a need to change men's gym so it fits within the model that that the ncaa can tolerate i say the ncaa just because i mean you know the, the collegiate model right at some point um no one's a revenue sport other than the two big ones men's football and then basketball and then there's unique i know i realize there's outliers here and there but that's that's the two big ones outside of that every other sport is a, is a drain you know or, or is, a, is a profit loss on the athletic department and so what else are you bringing to that athletic department matters, your exposure, your engagement, your, you know, your fan base, your alumni base. And so, you know, if, 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 if you're at the top of those things over everyone else, then it's worth keeping you around, you know, but now we're at the, we're at the mercy of our own, um, you know, pool. What I mean by that is that we're so small, so that's a problem. Um, but people love the Olympic alignment um, but we've, we've got to, I think, increase our exposure, you know, outside of the every four-year Olympic boom. And so that's what I always pushed for. And I just don't know. We've still got some moves to make on that front. And, I'm, you know, I'm still on committees and I've, I'm still helping, but I've got to transition. Um, so I don't – yeah, I, I, I don't know. The future of, 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 I think, men's Olympic sports in general is, is a little shaky if you look at what's coming down the pipeline of pay-for-play. You know, so we had NIL pop up, and that's been not as crazy of a change, I think, as P- although it is spiraling out of control in some ways. But now you've got down the pipeline, you've got pay-for-play. If colleges can start paying athletes out of their own pockets in the near future, overnight, athletic departments, you know, you're going to go from not paying, you know, you got the $6,000 Austin, you know, fallout right now per athlete, which is a couple million, which is a big deal if you can just start outright paying football and basketball players, it's going to be like five to 6 million overnight. And then don't forget the title nine equivalency thing. So then you also have to pay that amount to female. Athletes. So then you said, now you're looking at 15 million plus to keep it balanced. Right. And then, and then that, that, that is significant money. That's yeah. going to put a strain and pressure on the athletic system as a whole. You're going to see, I think, a lot more than just men's gymnastics. You know, men's Olympic sports and women's Olympic sports start to disappear.
0: Justin, I I know, know it's money a, to keep up. Yep, no, it's a busy time for you. I know it's uh, uh, been quite an incredible run here the last couple of weeks. We wish you the best of luck, and we thank you for taking time for us this morning.
4: Yeah, and, and as far as our run is they concerned, you. you've had a great run at Illinois too, both as a as a competitor and as a coach. We appreciate it. Thank you, Justin.
5: Thank you guys for thinking of me. I I really appreciate it.
0: You bet. Best of luck. That's Justin Spring, everybody, headed to uh, the University of Alabama, and we're headed to our first break. Then we'll have an open line if you want to discuss any of the uh, items on the agenda from this week. We'll catch you up to date on uh, the baseball scores from last night, golf and such, and we'll have more in just a moment. Stay with us.
7: Mike Mary, and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store. Easy to find. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign or visit them online. Pella of PellaOfChampagne.com
0: Moving up on 920, off and rolling on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Thanks to Justin Spring for checking in with us, our first guest on the show. Other uh, guests on the uh, lineup, Atlanta golf coach Mike Small had a tournament win himself on the uh, golf course this week. We'll stop by the studio. We'll talk some golf-related issues and more with Mike Small. Joe Hendrickson from the Chicago Sun-Times will be with us at 10, then at 10.30. New head coach at Roosevelt University in Chicago, D. Brown, is slated to join us as well. In the meantime, an open line, 217-356-9397. A lot to talk about. Let's go to Gary in Urbana. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind?
8: Morning. Well, I'm sure this will be talked about, but I, am, I just think this, bringing USC and UCLA into the Big Ten is just absolutely crazy. I mean, do they think about, you know, the athletes, the amount of time, you know, they're going to be gone flying to Rutgers for (laughs) games and flying to Maryland and Penn State. It's just, it's crazy. And environmental impact, but I think the time that these kids are going to be missing, and I assume this is all sports, softball,
9: baseball,
4: everything. Yep. Yeah, they're going to have to make some decisions about that, but as far as flying to a football game, it just means it's a couple more hours on a plane. Everybody flies, so you are you know, I'm not saying that they aren't going to miss more time, but uh it it only means a couple more hours on a plane. I mean, that's well, all I it is. For football.
8: Yeah. For football, I agree, but all, for all of the other sports, yeah. You know, the basketball
4: and stuff. That's right. Just, now um, golf, we're going to talk to to Mike Small here in a minute, but uh, go, the golfers travel uh, for for meets all over the country anyway, right? And you know, and, and they sense. won't be going out there more than once, I wouldn't think. In in a season, the golf team that is. I mean, if 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 they if they do go,
0: right? You don't play dual golf matches anymore. No, so no.
4: It, it, yeah. There'd be tournaments. Yeah. So well, what
8: would have made a lot more sense is like when Texas and Oklahoma, if they'd gone to the Pac-12 instead of going where would they go to the SEC. I mean, it's just the—I uh, don't know—the the wideness of these
4: conferences. Uh, well, the, conferences just the Texas crazy. Texas would have gone to the Pac-12 if the Pac-12 would have accepted the the Texas radio network, and but they um, wouldn't. I mean, Texas wanted there. to keep their their network, and you know, and it's like Notre Dame. Notre Dame wanted to keep her, its uh, NBC network, and at the same time, right. be part of the uh, ACC, and they worked it out. As it turns out, Notre Dame gets. Uh, the entire 34 plus million from the ACC, but the ACC gets its share. Each school gets a share of uh, Notre Dame's 15 million. So Notre Dame's only making a little over one million in their N- a- NBC now because they have to share it with the, with the ACC.
8: Yeah, but I mean Justin said that just a minute ago said the same thing about just how widely all of these regions, all these different concerts, conferences seem to be getting i just think that i know it just doesn't make sense to me that to be that to bring somebody in that far away i mean i I didn't see the sense in in, uh, rutgers or uh, maryland either but now i think i think this one is way
4: way off the mark just my opinion
0: okay gary thanks Follow the money, right,
4: well, Oh, follow the money. My goodness. I mean well, yeah, I, I know AC, that, but, you know. The, the Pac-12's given out $33 million and the Big Ten's given out $55 million this year. And next year, it'll be much greater, and the, and the Pac-12 will go the other direction. Because without UCLA and USC, their their uh, rights fee will be much less.
8: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't what's going to happen to that conference.
4: Well, I don't. That's a really good question. I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think, Steve? Do you think they'll join up with the Big Twelve? Do you think they'll just try to operate as a Pac-10?
0: I think they'll probably try to merge themselves with somebody, and the Big Twelve would be as good a start as any. I think. Uh, I think we're going. I think you're going to have two major conferences, that might number twenty teams each. Well, I read that, and the rest I, is everybody else.
4: Then how do you divide? How do you align? How do you play a football schedule when you got twenty teams in the conference? I mean, you are going to have schools you are not going to play for years. Well, that's
0: true. But Illinois didn't play Indiana for years. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. you are going to have that anyway. Hey, Gary, thanks for the call. Okay, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. The uh, phone line is open. Let's go, Let's go. to Betty in Champagne. Go ahead, Betty. Good morning,
5: and hello to both of you. I hadn't been able to call and talk to you as I was taking care of my husband for so long. And he's in heaven now. But I wanted to call you guys and say it's awesome to hear you, to listen to you, to learn from you again. You guys keep on doing what you're doing because you do the great.
0: Well, Betty, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, the fact that you're still listening, and we appreciate that we're both still here, right? (laughs) Right, Lord? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm
5: very thankful, (laughs) and I'm glad that I get to hear you. You guys teach me things that I haven't gotten to hear for a long, long time. Well, stay with us. That I will learn, learn, learn. Thanks, you guys.
0: Yep, thank you, Betty. We appreciate uh, you taking time to give us a call. Let's uh, move along on the uh, telephone lines. uh, Denise in Ogden, go ahead. You're on the air.
6: Yeah, the caller had um, earlier had touched on what are they going to do as far as, you know, traveling from one coast to the other coast. And I'm just wondering, wouldn't more neutral site uh, possibilities, didn't they do that with – with
4: when COVID hit, that you know they bring in four teams. Or yeah, teams they made some yes, time. but the thing is that most teams want to even whether it's whether it's your gymnastics team or whatever team it is, they want to have their home home fans there, and and I don't think you'll see much. I think that once they once they uh, they've got to divide the the conference into two parts. I think. Uh, I'm I may be alone in this thinking, but I I just don't know. I don't traveling from UCLA to to uh, Penn State. I mean, it's a long way.
0: Twenty-seven hundred miles to to Piscataway, I think, from LA.
4: <laughs> oh man, do you do you <laughs> see a division? I mean, you see two divisions, or do you just see one big league and mishmash as far as scheduling?
0: I I see two divisions, but don't ask me how to separate them. I haven't thought that far ahead, really? but I I do.
4: Well, they'll have fun doing that.
0: Yeah, they will. But didn't
6: it, didn't they do that though with COVID and with was it softball maybe? I yes, guess. they did
0: that. They did that with volleyball uh, during that time, I think, and <clears throat> some other sports as well. They
4: didn't have fans in,
0: right?
6: Right, right. But um, just you know, just tossing out. I'm sure they have thought of it, but um, just thought maybe that might be a possibility.
0: Might be. Denise, thanks for the call. We appreciate your input.
10: Thank you.
0: We're coming uh, in loud and clear in New York City. Jeff is with us. Go ahead, Jeff.
7: Uh, Good morning, guys. Um, Lauren, uh, you and uh, Will Leach and others, I believe, and Gary touched on this a little bit uh, a few moments ago, and I'm going to just revive it. Uh, I think what we're looking at down the road is – not conferences but leagues and they will be sport-centric as opposed to school-centric by which i mean that i think that we will see uh separate leagues for the various sports for example the four blue bloods uh that are usually talked about in college basketball that is uh, north carolina duke kansas and kentucky will be in a separate basketball league along with uh, other comparable programs. But none of those four has a football program that would be anywhere close to the same level. And I think we'll see a separate football league with the Ohio State and the uh, Penn State and the uh, the top ones of the NCAA, of the SEC, uh, rather. And as far as the NCAA goes, I think it's going to become increasingly uh, irrelevant. Um, well, you've
4: you've got a clear view of the future, and as I look to the future, all I see is a big cloud. I can't tell you what's going to happen. Uh, it could go well, a lot of different I ways. I think.
7: I think that's one uh, one distinct possibility. I, mm-hmm. it's, I certainly don't have a, a clear view. <laughs> you're, you're more uh, in tune with that than me, but I, that's something that I think is a distinct possibility.
0: Okay, Jeff. Thanks. Appreciate your input okay. and your call this morning. Let's go down to Pinehurst okay, and Marty. Go ahead, Marty.
11: Morning, morning guys. Hey not near as worried about whether you're going to be in a division with Ohio State right now, are
4: you?
11: (laughs) No. we are talking so much about that, about the east and west there, and that just thrown up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Interesting thought that Jeff had, and Urban Meyer was very interesting uh, the other day on the Big Ten Network when he mentioned that the other schools in the uh, Pac-12 are going to be just about dead because most of them recruit their players from Southern California. That's where they get most of their top athletes. And it's about to not be Pac-12 territory anymore. Um, I think they've got to take some brand-name schools out of the Pac-12, and it'll happen over the next year, year and a half, so that they've got a little more on the West Coast. Uh, I've heard Washington, Stanford, and and Oregon mentioned, and as I talked earlier with you, Lauren, a couple days ago about TV markets, Something is going to happen there, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I I guess this USC-UCLA thing has been going on for a while. They've been talking about it for a while, and they kept it very quiet. So there's probably some other schools that are going to be trying to get into the Big Ten money or the SEC money. It's a matter of who they want now because it's coming down to two conferences real fast. Um, Did you ever – You've been around a long time, Lord. Did you ever see anything like this coming?
4: Oh, no. No, I I'm, I'm old fashioned. I I like the geographic uh, uh you know, competition. I like I like the the natural rivalries. I that's yeah. that's my thing.
11: Yeah, me too. I when Nebraska came in, I thought maybe we should get Oklahoma too. So they're kind of regional and that might be a good fit. Instead, we got we went east.
4: Just follow the money. That's all you have to do. Just follow the money. Oh, it's real it. simple. I mean, oh, when, I when you're getting $33 million, you're, you're, Southern, you're Southern Cal, and, and you've got a great football program. You got a, you're got paying millions to a new coach, and you've got a league where you're get receiving. First of all, the attendance uh, is very poor at, at most of those schools, and yep. you're receiving $33 million. I think it was. Was it thirty-four, thirty-five, yep. something in the 30s? And you look at Illinois over here. We're not winning many football games, but we're we're bringing in fifty five million. And
11: it's going to be in the seventies next year. And with these two teams coming in, that's going to get up.
4: I know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't think you can uh, automatically bring in somebody else. And w- w- once this once this contract is negotiated, it's going to be a whopper. For everybody. And I don't know how you you readjust it by bringing in Washington and Stanford or Arizona State or, you know, I don't know. You
11: have to bring in TV markets. If you're going to bring somebody else in, they have to have a TV market that's going to up the ante. If yep. they don't, you're not going to want them.
0: Okay, Marty, appreciate it. Got right, a couple we'll other we'll callers. Uh, Mark and right. uh, Steve, hang on. We need to take a break. Mike Small is in the studio as well. We'll continue the conversation uh, from his point of view, and keep the phone lines open. Also, 9.32 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're back with more after this. It is 9.35 on DWS, 93.9 FM, WDWS. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, chugging along until 11. A couple of callers held on during that break. Let's go with uh, Mark, Jacksonville, Florida. Go ahead, Mark.
6: Hey, good morning. <coughs> I'm going to talk a little bit about the realignment as well. You know, back when Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave the Big 12 for the SEC, I called and mentioned USC would be a good fit for the Big 10 as well as Oregon and Notre Dame and Clemson. Well, I still feel that way. Uh, who knows what's going to I don't know. Oregon belongs to that academic organization that they, a lot of people quote. What is it, the AAU? What, what is that, what is that uh, designation for the uh, type of research? Uh, universities? Yes. Well, anyway, uh, I still see, I would think I would want, you know, you definitely want Notre Dame, you know, to balance out that side. You would want Stanford, I would think. And then if I'm running the Big Ten, I want Clemson. I want a, a presence in the South.
4: Well, let's and let's, let's understand one thing there. about the ACC. And they can't break that contract. They've got a contract into the they got a 14 years period here where Notre Dame can't get out if if Notre Dame first of all it's in the contract that Notre Dame can't leave the, uh, the ACC they can't join any other conference if they do they got a 50 million dollar buyout number one number two all their rights fees goes back to the ACC they can't leave Whoa. they are frozen Whoa. now I look disagree. So, okay you can disagree <laughs> i'm just telling you what the contract is am going tell you why though okay
6: i understand you you mentioned that at that time previously. Well, if I'm Notre Dame and I'm looking at a hundred million dollars a year,
4: that I'm money doesn't go to them. It goes back to the conference. That money goes to the if, ACC. If, if they go to the Big Ten, I, the Big Ten.
6: I read, I read. They could buy their way out for a hundred million dollars.
4: Well, you can. Okay, all right. That's I'm what just, I read. Yeah.
0: Okay.
6: And so, if that's true, that's one year's revenue. I'm I'm doing that in a New York minute if I'm Notre Dame. you got to look at the next 20 years. Not so
0: why haven't they the done it? They've, they've, they've had the chance to come in the Big Ten before and uh, didn't even consider it very much.
4: The people that run Notre Dame don't want any part of the Big Ten. They've never. They've been fighting the Big Ten for 100 years. Yeah, the circumstances are all changing. You
6: have to make okay. a new decision based on new information. Correct, guys? Isn't that correct? In any decision you make, if you get new information, you got to look at it differently.
4: Mike their Small, what do you think about this? Blown. I I can't fight him. <laughs> what do you think? Does, does the contract to the ACC hold up, or could they buy their way out some way?
2: I didn't know they had a contract, Lawrence, so you're asking the wrong guy right here. <laughs> I think this whole thing is a survival. They're all in survival mode for the future of college athletics, and they know how much it's going to cost these departments to run these programs with – nil happening and probably future paying players and i think they're all trying to position themselves with the most money they can so they can sustain and keep themselves viable and i think that's what it's all about this this contract stuff i don't know but if it makes sense financially i think they're going to do it because i think that's what's driving everything is 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 the money
0: what else you got mark that's what i well
2: that's it but thank you
0: yep appreciate the call steve in princeton is with us good morning steve hello steve not hearing Steve. Try again, there, Steve. If you get uh, time, Mike Small, how you doing, buddy? I'm okay, Steve. <laughs> you're Good back morning. in town. You you're out of town more than you're in town these days, aren't you?
2: Uh, yes, I was. I was in town less than a handful of days the month of June, and that's the way it is every year. But um, it's what I signed up for. I got a great wife and family that supports me, and uh, it's something that you. Summers are tough for for golfers, golf coaches, and golfers. Yes.
0: And you wrapped up the month of June nicely with a victory in the Illinois PGA Senior Champ- Championship, the Senior Open in, in uh, the state of Illinois. How'd you play?
2: I had flashes of really good play, <laughs> and I had flashes of play that I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing, and, <laughs> but that's why it's been there all month. I've uh, I've hit shots close from 250 yards and lipped out double eagles, and I've shanked chips, and I've chunked chips, and I've... Uh, I've shanked shots, so I've done it all. I mean, it's just been a, it's been a whirlwind.
0: Do you know how good you're making the rest of us golfers <laughs> feel by, by saying that a guy of your caliber does those kind of things too?
2: Well, the guys on the PJ Tour do that yeah, stuff, they do. believe it or not. The, the, the people you see playing well are always on TV. The last yeah. round on Sunday, the last few groups are all playing well. You don't see the guys missing the cut. <laughs> um, but that's the nature of the sport.
4: You know what Ray, amazes me about uh, go- the great golfers is how well they hit it out of the high stuff. Mm-hmm. The high grass, I, and particularly those chip shots. I don't even know how you get your club on the ball. Well, they get a lot of practice. They you work practice on a that, lot, huh? yeah.
2: But then you're in there a lot too. I mean, it's just something yeah. that in golf, if you have really one, if you win once a year and don't play well the rest of the year, people think you had a good year, a great year. If you just just one week can make a whole season, and sure, you want consistency, but um, it's very hard to get everything lined up physically, mentally, and emotionally, which is the big thing um, in golf because you got to be so focused and so repetitive in what you're doing. If you're off a little bit emotionally or,
12: or mentally, it's a, it's a grind.
0: Let's go back to Steve. And Princeton, go ahead, Steve.
12: Yeah. Mike Small just mentioned something that I told some friends of mine. I texted them, and I'll be 70 in September, and I said, it's time for a new type of college fan. I said, college athletics has passed me by, and Lauren, like what we grew up with, so it's time for a new generation of college fans and college athletics is in survival mode, like Mike said. But, you know, Lauren just mentioned a little bit ago about Arizona State and the demographics of our country are changing. Why isn't anybody trying to grab Arizona and Arizona State? Because Arizona's booming.
4: Well, I think that'll be a consideration. I, I just don't know how far they're willing to go. Uh, Mike, uh, Arizona and Arizona State are certainly – Strong programs and the Pac-12 took them in. Strong, yeah, but
12: that'd strong. be great for uh, Mike Small's golf team to go to Arizona, Arizona State, and play a couple of tournaments.
2: Yes, yes, it would be. But, that'd be nice to especially in February. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but but, but see, Mike,
12: but I don't get the I don't get why Washington and Oregon are often mentioned
4: instead of Arizona. Well, Seattle's a big town, and and uh, you know and. And I guess uh, ma- mainly it's Nike money. It's,
0: think it's, uh, think TV markets, Steve.
4: Yeah, yeah don't think... Well, what about Phoenix? Isn't that a big TV market? It, it is. Yeah. And
0: so is... You, you think of Cal and Stanford in the San Francisco market, too. But they're not, as Lauren mentioned earlier, they're not drawing very well football-wise uh, in the stands.
4: Well, I, it's, it all, it's all about what the TV moguls want. Do they want that part of the con is it worthwhile to bring in stanford do they add that many viewers they don't care about people in the stands the tv right. people they don't care about how many people go going to watch their commercials anything else steve I'd
12: rather well i just think arizona and arizona state is where this country is headed and you know the southwest and everything and like you said, man. If I'm Mike Small, man, bring in Arizona, Arizona State. I'd rather go there and play golf than Oregon or Seattle or, you know, San Francisco can be cold too at times.
4: Well, just remember that Mike. Explain this. You've got a schedule. You play 10, 12, 14 schools every weekend once it gets going.
2: Yeah, the conference alignment in golf isn't that a big a deal because right. we see one. We see we have a conference championship one week a year, and mm-hmm. that's where you have to bring it and be ready to play. That's what. That's what establishes establishes you as the champion. Now we'll see other Big Ten schools. We'll see we'll see USC and UCLA three, four, five times a year, but not at their place. We'll see them mm-hmm. in Florida at times. We'll see them in Texas. We'll see mm-hmm. them in in Chicago at our event, and that's how you accrue wins and losses with them for the NCAA selection. But when it comes down to the conference championship for golf, it's just one week a year, and uh, it's going to be you know, positioned somewhere. I assume now out west now once every five or six years, I would think. But I think it's going to stay on you know, next year. We're going out to. Uh, out uh, To New Jersey for the Big Ten Championship, so it's it's uh, you see those teams head to head, not necessarily on each other's turf. They're not going to come to Champaign to play. That's not the way college golf is. We're going to see we'll see UCLA in Augusta, we'll see USC and and Las Vegas. That's just the way golf is.
4: So basically, you're not affected hardly I at all.
2: No, I'm not affected hardly at all. Except when it comes to um, recruiting, and um, you know we're not on the same playing field as a USC UCLA when it comes to the conditions that you play in, the weather, mm-hmm. training times. That's the biggest yeah. difference for us, but um again they're great schools a lot of respect for them academically they're awesome and um you mentioned tv markets and again i'm not in those meetings i don't profess to know what's going on but uh smart people are making these decisions but we need to stay viable financially against the other top schools in the country
0: would you like to be an athletic director uh, during <laughs> these times mike small you have, no you have any desire <laughs> to ever be an ad
2: no no <laughs> i've had discussions on that before and been asked that and uh i'm a golf pro i'm a golf coach i stay in my lane and i enjoy what i do and uh I'll let those guys handle that stuff.
0: You talked, uh, you mentioned briefly about uh, you know guys getting hot and winning uh, and, and having a, a good year on the golf course, on the pro tour. One of your guys, well, several of your guys are doing quite well, but Nick Hardy had a couple of good weeks, didn't he? With uh, Made uh, about a half a million dollars in two weeks at the U.S. Open and the Travelers, and he's playing again, made the cut up at uh, the John Deere.
2: He did. He's uh, recovering from an injury. You know, he came back from that month-long being uh, being out and uh, lost in a playoff in a Corn fair event, made almost six figures in that tournament, which got some momentum going. And then I saw him out in uh, at the U.S. Open and um, swinging as well as I've ever seen him swing at it. He's very positive, excited to play. You know, when you, when, you, when you don't do something you love for a while, you really appreciate it, and you appreciate what it means to you. And I had that situation for nine months. I was out um, for an injury one time and uh, surgery, and I came back playing better than I ever had in my life. It's something in human nature that, once you're back doing what you love and you realize that it could disappear in an instant, you appreciate it more. So I think he's. I think that's a big deal mentally for him, and he's, and he's f- physically playing well.
4: Mike, is there any chance that you could be in any uh, championship, uh, senior championship events this year, senior events?
2: I've you... played in two Champions Tour events already. Didn't have as much success as I've had in the past. Um, when I get in those events and I do play well, my chances of continuing that go up. Uh, like what, four years ago, um, I ended up making the playoffs on the Champions Tour because I had three top tens in a row and I made enough money to get me in that list after five or six events. Um, the ones I played in this year did not play well, so it's going to be an uphill battle for me the rest of the year. But there's stuff around regionally that I can play in. And if I do get an opportunity and I play well, then I'll play more. But if not, um, I won't.
0: 946, need to take a break. We're going to talk uh, more with Mike Small. We'll keep the phone lines open all the way through as we usually do. I'm going to give Mike a little heads up to about the next topic and that's the uh, new tour out there the LIV we're going to see (laughs) see what uh, thoughts you might have on that we'll take a break and be back with more after this stay with us it is 948 Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate I'm Steve Kelly phone line open 217-356-9397 Mike Spall is here the golf coach the player the all around good guy (laughs) We don't want to talk politics, and this kind of falls into that somewhat, but uh, certainly in the news lately, the uh, PGA Tour versus the LIV uh, Tour that is drawing a lot of attention. They've got a tournament going on this week in Portland, and uh, your thoughts on that, on some of those guys that have taken the money, so to speak? I know you know some of those guys, and uh, I, I doubt that you've had conversations with them, but maybe I'm wrong, but... What are your overall thoughts about it? Does everybody – golf's always been kind of an individual game, right? You're that's kind right. of a one-man team.
2: That's right. I have had a lot of conversations when I played in those Champions Tour events. They were all talking about it every day. and um, Everybody has an opinion, um, whether it's right or wrong, but the bottom line is is that professional golfers play money – I mean, play golf to make money. I mean, a lot of them, do, that's your profession. And so I would never judge somebody for making a decision what they think's best for them and their family. Now, you have your opinion on, on – you know to what level that can go to, but um, it's 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 a tough thing. I, I can see both sides of it. The PGA Tour has given a great um, place to play for players for many many. Years. Well, what was
4: their complaint about the the PGA Tour? The, the complaint that you know that Mickelson brought up yeah. and others. What what, what is well, the,
2: this? Goes back 20, 30, 40 years. I mean the freedom to play because as a PGA Tour player, you're a independent contractor. When mm-hmm. I when I had my PGA Tour card, I was a member of the PGA Tour. I was an independent contractor, but I had to sign a piece of paper that said I will support the PGA Tour, and if I go somewhere else to play, if I go play a little pro-am in Danville or I go play in Quincy, I have to get a release from the PGA Tour to go play that if it conflicts with the PGA Tour event. They still own you, yet you're an independent contractor.
4: But they'll let you play in the European Tour. Yep,
2: yeah, you have to get a release, and they will let uh-huh. you do that because there's some kind of reciprocal there or whatever, but they see the LIV as a threat and and um, for a lot of things. The TV deal, we are talking about college athletics, it's where the money is, and TV deals are bought and paid for having the best players play on tv and if your big name players aren't playing then your tv deal goes down the tour doesn't get as much money so it comes down to you know to to, to each fighting for their own for their own life i guess you can say their own their own presence and the pga tour is just it's it's sticking up for its own players see that this goes back to greg norman back 20 30 years ago you know the world golf championships that the pga tour started was originally the idea of Greg Norman. He thought that the best players in the world should all play together in smaller numbers, not the average players like me. When I was a player, I wasn't one of these top players, so they thought they should be making more money, and they thought they should be playing at their own level. Um, and I see their point, but they also have to understand that to be a top player in the world, you have to have somebody you can beat. Yeah, you know, they get they play around each other all the time. They're not going to be beating anybody. I mean, they're going to be beating them themselves, and there's they're not going to establish that thing. But but Greg Norman, um, you know, got shot down by the PJ tour and his idea was actually taken by the PJ tour and he's been a little upset ever since. Now he's found some backing and found a way to I maybe mean, maybe continue, you know, have his dream, his my idea come through of a an elite tour of the top players in the world and he found some place where the money can back in with that idea and that's what started this and then the old age argument about is a PJ tour player his own boss or is he a, is he an employee of the PJ tour and technically he's not but they say he is, and that's the whole point. If players want to just go somewhere else and play, they have to they 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 have to get a release. And this is what this is kind of all about.
0: But they're they're given in defense of the PGA Tour, they're giving golfers quite a platform. Oh, sure. to earn a living.
2: They have they have pensions now that are yes. off the off the world, and I don't understand the whole the whole contractual stuff of it. You're an independent contractor, yet um, you have a pension. Through the PGA Tour and on this TV money and, you know, and Tiger Woods started this whole thing. I mean, when I was on the PGA Tour it was before Tiger money, right? And um, before that that cut, that that deal went up and they've gone up in in price because of just the notoriety of golf and the presence of Tiger and those in, the, in in golf and now um, they think they have a good product moving forward. But the TV deals coming up and or else it maybe just has. I'm not sure. But this is all about can you market the best players in the world on your tour or are they going to be on somebody else's tour? That's what the PGA Tour is worried about.
4: Well you know, as as I watched uh, the tournament this week and I see all those new faces, I'm not as attracted to that or I won't stay with that as long as I would if Mickelson and, and Dustin Johnson and and Kepka were in it. If they were in it I'd probably be watching it more closely. That's the PJ. Now they're tour. in the other tour and I don't know where the T V is. Well a lot from. of the
2: great ones are staying. Only a yeah. few have left, but that's the argument right there. The P J tour knows that if if the big names were to leave, then people wouldn't be excited to see. And that was Greg Norman's idea back in 20, 30 years ago. He thought the draw was the biggest names in golf, and he was one of them. They should be rewarded for that um, and get a bigger slice of the pie. Um, but they also have to realize that you need players to beat. You
4: can't. Who eat. makes the decision on how much the payments are? For LIV? No, no, for the PGA. I mean, when you have a tour, a tour event – you, so much money goes to the winner. So uh-huh. much second place. Who makes that decision? Well, you have the size of the purse, and I believe that's the
2: PGA Tour. But what the PGA mm-hmm. Tour does, what nobody realizes—I mean, they do realize—if you think—if you really understand it—is the amount of money they give to charity is more than any other professional sports is given in history, combined. And so they combine the, the, the charitable effect in the in the local communities with the purses with the players, and whatever they have at the end, they divvy up between the purse, and then they give it to you know millions to charity. Um, I don't know the exact protocol or how that's done, but um, the bigger purses attract the better players. So the the events on tour want to have the biggest purses. They want to get the best corporate sponsorship. They want to get the best following and and, and attendance so they can have the biggest purse, attract the best players, and it kind of goes that way. Um, The John Deere this week is a great event, but if the field is way down for whatever reason, the big names aren't there like you said, it's still going to be a great event for the community. They're going to make a lot of money for Mm -hmm. charity. Mm-hmm. But you're right, the viewership may not be up as much.
0: Are you talking about the difference, you know, what's to pay for second place, what's to for, pay for 20th place and such? Who makes I, that? It's got to be some kind of no, percentage formula. formula. Yeah, yeah. I'm
4: yeah. sure. Is that what you're asking? Okay, yeah. but, but, I mean, I it's, not done the by the, it's not done by the players at all. They have nothing to do with it. It's set, uh, it's set up by the people that run the PGA.
2: Well, that's what's weird about this whole thing, Lauren. You're exactly right. The PGA Tour sets all that up, but the players are the PGA Tour as well. Yeah, right. So, you know, there's a whole board and they have – um you know they pay the commissioner i mean it's 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 a a weird deal um but the bottom line is it's benefited charity and benefited local communities more than any other sport in the history of sports when it comes to helping communities charitably let's
0: talk about uh, some of your guys current guys you've got three guys getting ready to play they're going to be playing a lot this summer but they're going to play in the U.S. Amateur mm-hmm. coming up in August. Talk about that.
2: Which is a big deal. Yeah, um, The two big events in the country in amateur golf are the U.S. Amateur and then the Western Amateur. We're going to have six in the Western Amateur up in Chicago at Exmoor Country Club, and then we're going to have three in the U.S. Am as of right now. I think others are still going to qualify or try to qualify, but the U.S. Am is you have to qualify for it. Top 50 in the world get in, and Adrian DuMont-DeShostar starts top 30 or 25 in the world by now, so he's in. But Pearson Hunt and Tommy Kuhl qualified this week. Um, Jackson Buchanan, a freshman of ours, just lost in a playoff, I believe. So he's an alternate. Hopefully, he'll still get in. But that's something that um, these guys are supposed to compete in the summers. So they're supposed to take all we've talked about and learn and discussed for six months over the calendar of the of, of the of the uh, college season. Take what they learned, relax, get you know no school to get in the way right now, and just go play and implement and and master what we talked about and come back this fall as better players. And if you're playing in these big amateur events, the Western Am and US Am, it's a great barometer to see how you're playing, but also a great experience to get your game ready to come back in
0: the fall. What's a golf coach and golf professional player do on his day off? Play golf? (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, that's (laughs) – no. and that's
0: A lot of people probably want to play golf with you.
2: Well, getting back to the LIV things, I mean, a lot of those guys – this is maybe this is crass to say and is weird to say, but a lot the majority of professional golfers don't really love to play golf. They've done it so much, it's right. become part of life they don't let, they want other things to do. So when these guys are getting eighty million, hundred million $100 guaranteed to play this tour, they've they've said publicly, now I can I can be on the boat with my family, I can go do things <laughs> with people people I love and not have to play golf. The guys like me, they were good enough to get on the PGA tour, but not good enough to stay. In our spare time, we had to play golf because we had to get better to get there. So it's, it's a tough thing. So if I have an event coming up, I'll have to practice as much as I can, but I'm a coach first. I've always said that. I'm a player second. So when the coaching responsibilities are completed, I'll go practice, which means after our practice at night, in the morning, mm-hmm. piecing it together. Um, and that's been tough, especially doing it for 22 years. Um, it takes a little extra gumption and, and, and fortitude and, and discipline to do. By the way, but did you play with Darren Williams the other day? I did, I did. Darren, did you? How's he play? He's got a great golf swing. He's not playing as much as he, he played. He told me he played hard for 12 years. Loved it, wanted to see if he could make the tour. And it did, But as if you do something that long, golf is so hard, and you get, you, you improve, but you don't quite get there, it's frustrating. It really wears on you. So he hadn't played much golf last year and a half. But uh, we played, uh, he helped our program out in an auction item that we have for to raise money for our program because we need to do special things, and and he uh, he agreed to take some donors, friends of mine, along with Brad Underwood, and go out and play golf with him. And
4: Brad told me he shot seventy six the other day.
2: Brad did, yeah. yeah. Brad can play. Don't let him. Don't let him. Don't let him tell you he can't. Um, he's 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 got a good game. He enjoys the game. Um, he's a little more calm on the golf course than he is on the bench, which, <laughs> which is good. You don't want to be around somebody like that, you know, what, with clubs in his hand. You yeah. to... <laughs> That's right. No, but he does. He, he's he's a good player. He he enjoys the game. It's a good release for him but again he can't play as much as he wants to anymore either.
0: That uh, that's one benefit of COVID when that hit because during that time he could play. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure he's glad things are back to normal but uh he was able to capitalize on that. How many holes in one have you had Me? in your career? Yes.
2: Um I was, I asked that the other day. I think I know I have 4 in competition and those are the ones you remember. Maybe yeah. maybe 4 or 5 more. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I remember the biggest one was in the Western Open, which is now the BMW Championship. I made a hole in one up there the year I was contending to win. I was in the second-to-last group on Sunday. This is maybe when I was, what, 2010, 2008, somewhere. I I can't remember the days, but uh, that's the one I remember the most, is when they're in competition.
0: Smaller, we appreciate it. Always good to catch up with you, and uh, glad we got to do this uh, before you head out of town again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know.
2: Well, thanks for having me on. It's always great. You guys follow golf. You follow our team. You support us. That's a that means a lot, and uh, I'll, help, I'll help you out coming anytime you want. You know that.
0: That's Mike Small, Illinois golf coach, and that's hour number one of Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. Coming up in hour number two, Joe we will talk some basketball recruiting with uh, Joe. Then Dee Brown will join us at 1030. He's the new head coach at Roosevelt University in Chicago. We're back after this with hour number two.
4: My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, What's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask,
6: What's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money.
4: That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from
6: now. Call us today at 217-355-9390.
3: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
0: Welcome back to the program, hour number two. here until 11 o'clock. Thanks to Justin Spring, former men's gymnastics coach at the UVI. He's headed to uh, the University of Alabama to be an assistant coach on the women's gymnastics team. He joined us at the beginning of the show. Mike Small was with us the uh, last half hour. And we're leading off hour number two with uh, Joe Hendrickson from Chicago. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing this morning?
1: Good morning, guys. I'm doing well.
0: Good. Want to talk some basketball recruiting. Uh, the last couple of weeks in uh, June were kind of busy in uh, the state of Illinois. A lot of college coaches and assistant coaches made their way to the uh, land of Lincoln, did they not, to uh, to watch a lot of high school basketball?
1: Yeah, the you know, the the whole recruiting calendar changed about three years ago, uh, two, two, three years ago, and just started to include high school, uh, you know, interesting, the scholastic high school basketball, you know, the, getting the coaches, high school coaches involved with their shootouts and in terms of evaluations for college coaches. So, yeah, they, they've set aside two weekends in June uh, for an open live period for high schools. And, you know, the state of Illinois, to their credit, as you would expect, a state that's, you know, really heavily – you know, popular popular sport is high school basketball, and they were prepared and ready from the get-go, mostly because they've had had some big shootouts and types of events prior to, you know, even becoming live periods. Where other states, you know, the first year they had it, I I believe there were only 19 states uh, that had live periods. Uh, I don't know what the number was this past year. I'm sure it was more. But Illinois is front and center, ready to roll with that, and took advantage. And yes, there were you know hundred plus you know hundreds of um, Division One coaches across the country at Riverside Brookfield for one weekend, and then Ridgewood, and then in Central Illinois, Normal West had one, and then Edwardsville had one as well. So there's four different events over two weekends.
0: What were some of the things, and who are some of the players that uh, stood out uh, in your mind during that time?
1: Well, I, mean, I it, it, in an interesting case, just I, what I've noticed is there's been more players, not recruiting purposes for, you know, the University of Illinois, but for players in the state of Illinois, there were more players that popped up later who evolved, emerged, um, kind of broke out over these last, you know, two months of spring, April and May, and then into June. Than I've seen in my 20 plus years, I think uh, of doing this because I, I can't remember so many, you know, off the radar guys, kids becoming Division One level type of prospects. Um, with that being said, there <laughs> there aren't as many Division One scholarships for them, so there, there's the Division One number of players out of Illinois is still going to remain relatively low because colleges programs in division one aren't taking as many high school players because of the transfer portal and that leaves a lot of high school players without a division one scholarship or multiple division one scholarships because because of that Uh, i don't know the specific reason why i mean I, i tend to blame you know the the last two plus years of covid and uh, on and off again with basketball, and now they're just starting to blossom as a result of being back playing regularly for the past, well, I don't know, you know, 9, 10, 12 months, um, why that maybe is the reason. Uh, so many kids have kind of blossomed here later than normal. Uh, I don't have a concrete answer for that, but unfortunately, as I just mentioned, there just aren't that many Division One opportunities for these kids as there once were.
4: Tell us a little bit about Johnson from St. Rita. Uh, he's coming to Illinois, apparently, and he'll be a junior this year at St. Rita, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah, I, Lauren, I, I really like Maurice Johnson. Uh, at the top of that class, the class of 2024, which are this year's juniors, you know, there's been kind of a tug of war uh, between two players to claim that top spot. You know, in a lot of classes and a lot of years, I've kind of anointed a guy number one, and they've stayed there, you know, all through, you know, Jalen Brunson comes to mind, Jabari Parker, and uh, some other ones. But this class between Marez and James Brown, his teammate, six nine, six ten, old-fashioned five man. Uh, he's a high major, uh, you know. But we're back to Marez real quick. He's just, you know, what Illinois fans have heard probably from a lot of people in describing him. He's, you know, he's a lunch bucket guy who plays hard, and he still got upside. He got a great body tremendous motor and uh aggressive on the glass runs the floor rim to rim uh offensively skill wise he's still young he's six eight and you know six eight six nine six ten kids generally take a little while acclimate themselves to become that higher level skill level and I, i think that's all coming for him that's the part of the game he's still working on you know his perimeter jumper face up uh but it's it's all coming and he has the physical attributes uh, also, those those characteristics that, you know, like, like a Ty Rogers who's coming this year, uh, same type of mindset is their approach to to both the game, uh, their development, and how they incorporate themselves with a team. So that that's just a huge plus to get him locked up early. And then the other player uh, is James Brown, who's his high school teammate, his AAU teammate. Illinois has been recruiting, and and so are our whole the entire Big Ten uh north carolina just recently offered duke is interested so he's going to be a uh, you know it's going to be a heavy uh, heavy player in in high level recruitment for james brown going forward
4: uh who is the top of your uh, of the upcoming seniors who's the top of your list
1: oh in in the in the class of 2023 Mm -hmm. i mean this is a class you know that to me is Again, there's, it's a no-brainer. It's not even close. Cameron Christie at Rolling Meadows. He's the younger brother of Max Christie, who's mm-hmm. Michigan State, and just drafted by the Lakers. You know, he's without question um, head and shoulders, to me, above everybody else in this class. Uh, he's a bona fide high major prospect and nationally very underrated, very much like last year's uh, top player, Brayden Huff from Glenbard West, who ended up to go into Gonzaga, and he went – Months and months and years and years without being noticed nationally, and Cameron Christie's in the same boat
4: okay, and you mentioned Rodgers, uh, rogers and I, I we're all wondering just how he's going to fit at illinois because there's there are a lot of players in his size uh, at on on this Illinois team, and there are more they are more uh scorers than he is. How do you see that working out?
1: Well, I just think he is going to will his way into minutes. Um, <laughs> he's just a kid I don't think they're going to be able to, to keep off the floor because of all the attributes that, you know, the superlatives we keep talking about. He helps your team win. He makes the extra pass. He gets the rebound. He'll he'll finish uh, physically through contact. He, he He'll defend multiple positions. So those types of players are hard to find. And, yes, his scoring is – Takes a back seat to some of those things right now, but his score, its not like he can't score, you know. So I, I just think because of his versatility, you can play him at the four, you can play him at the three, um, you know, you can even play him at some point forward if you need to, because he can uh, facilitate, and he and he has a good knack for passing, good vision, uh, and he plays extremely unselfish. So where you know a lot of these guys that you're talking about that size, that position. Uh, maybe even some have more experience in, in, in certain ways that are in the program, but you know, in college experience. But they, I don't think they bring the only thing he doesn't bring to your team is experience. And uh, he's going to get that rather quickly because he's going to force his way on the floor and get early minutes. I don't see any way he can't because of of all those things I
0: mentioned. Talking uh, basketball with Joe Hendrickson from the uh, City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago, Chicago Sun-Times. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Got a call from Urbana. Kevin is with us. Go ahead, Kevin. You got a question for Joe?
9: Yeah, I do. Hi, uh, Lauren. How you doing, Steve? How are you doing? No, uh, Joe, I just wanted to call you. I'm very close and dealt very closely with Jalen Quinn from Tuscola. And I just wanted to call you, and I've, I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to thank you publicly for all the support that you'd give that young man through the last two or three years. You were un- unbelievable, and I know all the contact that you had done for him and and helped him out. And he stayed in contact with you. We tried to hook up with you at the state tournament this year, but you'd already went back to Chicago. But I just wanted to tell you publicly. First of all, I, I respect your opinion on a lot of things, but I just this is more just to tell you thank you for everything you've done for our young man and Jalen Quinn, and, and things have turned out very well for him up at Loyola so far. I understand we're just, just into it, but I just wanted to publicly thank you for everything that you've done for him because you were a big fan of his, and you uh, I, that, that's just all I wanted to call and tell you. Thank you very much, Joe, for everything you did.
1: I really appreciate that. I appreciate those kind words and Jalen obviously is a great kid as you know and and you know, sometimes you're in Tuscola, you're in central Illinois, a smaller school and that's that's just what needs to be done, that 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 what the word needs to get out and he was a you know, a special talent in that part of the state and uh, because you're not in the Chicago area it doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting that same type of pub and he found himself a great spot. Loyola, Drew Valentine, obviously they're making the switch from the Missouri Valley to the A-10. Uh, a nice jump for the program. And, and Jalen, uh, one way or another, is going to figure it out and have a great career because he, he, he's he got a great all-around game at, at the point guard position. He's got size and strength. And, and more importantly, he's got the right characteristics and
9: mindset.
0: Thanks, Kevin, well, for the call. We appreciate and,
9: it. Yeah, you're welcome, Steve. See you, Lauren. Yeah. Take care.
0: Okay, Buck. Let's go to John in Rantoul with a question for Joe Henriksen. Go ahead, John.
5: Yeah, uh, hopefully you haven't covered this, but uh, I saw that Kendall Gill's son had been offered and just wanted to get an evaluation of, of him.
0: Okay, did you hear that okay, Joe?
1: I I heard Kendall Gill's son. So no, I,
0: Phoenix Gill.
4: Uh,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he is a uh, – I don't think they've offered. He is a – he is just scratching the surface. I've had him among my top five or six prospects the moment I saw him. I saw him. He did not play varsity last year, uh, but I caught him in other in other ways, and he was so intriguing, man. I I mean, if you could kind of – well, you probably can't because you have to go back so long. But If you can picture an extremely young Kendall Gill uh, – <laughs> you know, back in the, uh, I would have been, what, mid-80s, early 80s, um, you know, this is Phoenix Gill. That, that, that's what he is. You know, he's probably 6'2". Uh, I think he probably, you know, mind, mind correct, he's probably even a better shooter, right, I mean, at that same point. Uh, but he's just a baby physically. Uh, he's maturing, and he projects as a high major. It's hard to do, you know, for a player who's that young uh, and that You know, I'm not saying he's that far behind physically, but it's just natural. going to be natural growth, natural maturation of his body and and his game. And, yes, I mean, he is a uh, good-looking young prospect who I would fully expect to be a high major prospect. And Illinois, you know, saw that and jumped in early, obviously, for many different reasons, but um, it's not as if he can't play because he certainly can. And he's going to be, again, he's one of the top five or six players in that class without question.
4: You know, people always ask me this and I don't know how to answer, but maybe you can uh Illinois maybe offered 30 or 40 guys. I don't know. I don't know the number. I lost track. What does it mean? How how do you how do you uh analyze uh, players being offered when you know they can't take them all and would they take certain players who if they even wanted to come?
7: That is a great
1: question, Lauren. Uh and I I wrote an article about it what does an offer mean? I don't know when it was, a year ago, nine months ago. Um, And it really detailed and really got into detail and being very thorough uh, on that. It all depends to me based on the program, the college program. Uh, There are programs out there who offer everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are programs out there who do it old school. And you know what? They'll go to the extreme of we're not going to offer you until you're on our campus. For to show that we know that you have interest in us, I don't agree with that because you're the one recruiting them to me, Uh, so you should be the extending the offer. Uh, So it's a little cat and mouse in in that regard. But you know, I think Illinois kind of falls where it's somewhere in between. Um, I don't think they're offering everyone. They do, you know, they do throw around their fair share of offers though. And you know, the way it's been explained to me by some schools, unfortunately, the way the culture is now, Lauren, is that. A lot of these families, AAU people, uh, the kids themselves, they they really don't take you seriously. It's almost like now an offer, and this is more often than not, which is sad to me. The offer now is like, okay, now we're going to start recruiting you, as opposed to we're going to recruit you, we're going to evaluate you, we're going to see how you progress, and then we're going to offer at that point in time where we know you are at our level, and we'll take you. Are all of the offers thrown out there committable? No. Um, I would even say that's the case for Illinois over the, over the years. Um, if every single kid, the minute they were offered, said, I'll take it, uh, <laughs> there will be a whole lot of coaches either stopping that earlier offers or saying, whoa, 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 let's, let's just slow down the process. We want to you know, get to know each other. And so it is coaching staff to coaching staff of how they do it. I know the coaching staffs out there, whether it be high major, low major, mid major. I know there's a lot of them that are frustrated with it. That oh man, they, you know, we don't offer kids because we don't we think it's we don't think it's time to do that. You know, we want to get to know you. We want to know when we offer you, we want to 100% be able to take you. But that is not the case with every program. So to answer that question, Lauren, how do I view it? It's very tough. Although I have gotten to know the programs a little bit, uh, who are throwing out offers left and right versus the ones that, you know, when you get an offer from that school, it means something. They know for 100% that they want you and that they will take your commitment if you do offer it. So it is hard to to decipher between school to school, though.
0: We talked a little bit ago about Jalen Quinn, a local kid from Tuscola. There's another local player, Ty Pence, from St. Joseph Ogden, who uh, has an offer from Illinois and several others. What are you hearing about his recruitment?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, um, I haven't had... You know, I think Ty's a, a terrific all around player. Um, 6'5, play different positions. He uh, does a whole bunch of things pretty well. I haven't had him quite as highly ranked as, as maybe some other people or, or uh, as, as projected as a high of a level. Um, you know, I think some of that high major stuff has tailed off a little bit. And, you know, it, and he is probably a really good mid major prospect right now. I know he was on campus at Illinois State recently, and, uh, you know, Loyola was involved with him for a while. Um, but right now I I think he is a a really solid mid-major prospect, and uh, more than likely that's probably the level he'll end up at.
0: Well, most everybody this morning that we've talked to has an opinion on the Big Ten expansion (laughs) to include uh, USC and UCLA. You got any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got a call, you know, a little bit, well, well before it was announced uh, from a Big Ten head coach just Gave me that news. Was, You're not gonna believe this. And um, and then after we, we we said we can't believe it for about 30 seconds, and then we really came to our senses. And he we said, "Well, yeah, this completely makes sense. It's just where it's headed. You know, it's just where we're going. Uh, they aren't and to think they're stopping at at this number. You know, that's not the case. They're gonna get to 18. or They're, they're probably gonna get to 20 teams. You know, eventually. Um, so it's just a matter now. I know there's a ton of coaches." That are just, you know, in the Big Ten are, are, are just going to have to accept it. Um, it. It's tough for some because you're knocked down a, the pecking order a little bit. You bring a UCLA basketball brand to the Big Ten; uh, that's a top four program now in the Big Ten, and you know they have the recruiting advantage of the West Coast, and now they have the Big Ten. To, to I mean, it, it's just a, it's just, a, and you got an unbelievable coach out there. That's just a massive addition. Particularly for basketball, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to continue. I think the remaining schools out there that aren't in the SEC that aren't in the Big Ten are all trying to navigate and figure out a way to either be the next group that added to the conference uh, if they can't obviously merge, you know, with other leagues. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. As a fan, I don't like it. I don't. I mean, I'm probably too old. I'm probably too much of a traditionalist. But. Uh, I've accepted it because I think it's inevitable. Once, once we saw the Oklahoma-Texas thing happen with the SEC, I think it was just in the cards that this was going to happen. And then you, you think about it, guys, UCLA, USC, I, other than geographically, um, it fits the Big Ten profile. I mean, from their academics uh, to their fan bases to their, their, their brands and um, it, in, in the high-level athletics they bring – it's just a matter of, you know, obviously geography is, makes zero sense. Um, and, and, and USC, UCLA, I mean, the thing I've talked about mostly with the college coaches I've talked to is just their the travel. I mean, I, I, those you know, cross-country you cross trips, to particularly the Eastern time zone uh, for those start times and then coming back and forth, I mean, that is going to be a, a nightmare, um, you know, scheduling purposes and just for your kids and the program. Um, where, you know, obviously our schools here in the Midwest are just making that trip. You know, one time they'll they'll, they'll probably do a one-trip out there and play UCLA on a Thursday and then wrap it up with USC on a Saturday. And uh, it's just going to be a headache for, for those two Pac-12 teams that are coming here.
0: Hey, Joe, always good to catch up with you and talk basketball. We appreciate your time. Have a good uh, holiday weekend.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime.
4: Thanks, Joe.
0: Joe Henrickson from the City Suburban Hoops Report in Chicago, 1023. We're back with more. Elani Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 1025 is one of your summer projects new windows or doors. I suggest a trip to the showroom of Elani Pella Windows and Doors, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. You can discover what they've got going on as far as their standard ongoing uh, great uh, windows and doors and any new products that might be on the horizon. They've been rated the number one dealer in the area for champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. That's certainly important these days. Give them some lead time though if you find something you want uh, with the uh, supply situation uh, worldwide now. it takes a little bit longer so plan ahead. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works uh, best for each unique situation. And working with them is an easy process. They'll be there to help you all along the way from picking out the product to the uh, installation details, that and much, much more. Visit the showroom to get started and learn more about the styles, materials and options available to you from the Pella window team. They have the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Three five six six four seven four is their number. They're open Monday through Friday, eight to five, Saturday by rather eight to four, Saturday by appointment. And check out uh, the products at their website, PellaofChampagne.com. Ten twenty six phone line is open, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven.
4: We've been talking money all day. I'm gonna throw some money at you. Are you ready?
0: Throw me some money.
4: Levine, bulls, five years, two fifteen million. Sounds like the bulls are set to Continue to compete. Zion Williamson, five years, 231. Let's see here. Morant, Grizzlies, five years, 231. Booker, Suns, four years, 214 million. Jokic, Nuggets, 264 in five years. Beal, Wizard. This is ridiculous, Steve. I mean, there's 70 deals made in the last couple of days in the NBA, and the money is just wild.
0: I was happy to see the Bulls and Malcolm Hill have a deal. Yeah. yeah well, uh,
4: 1.5. It's open-ended, though. It is. I mean, he's got to make it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But these, these are guaranteed contracts for over two hundred million million, seven of them,
0: over 200000000 million. Don't you wish you'd have stuck with basketball?
4: Don't you wish you'd have grown another
0: two <laughs> <Exactly>. feet? <laughs> Eight yeah, that's put, one of my wishes. 8
4: put Steve Kelly is uh, <laughs> going to sign for $200 million. Well,
0: if I grow two feet, I wouldn't be eight feet tall. <laughs> well, <laughs> I might be seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But I'd just, still be uncoordinated. I, mean, I mean,
4: between the LIV event, the tournaments, I mean, it's all about money. Everything's about money. That You've again,
0: coaching. Look at what coaches are making these days.
4: By the way, I got this message that says, California is going to pri- prioritize joining the Big Ten. Okay, so is everybody else? You they mean, all you, prioritize. You mean the
0: University of California? Yeah. yeah,
4: Cal. Cal would like to be in. Stanford would like, be in. would like to be in. Washington would like to be in. Washington State would like to be in. I mean, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Who won the Who won the Pac-12 in football last year? Utah. <laughs> it's crazy,
0: and yeah, nobody's going to that. In my opinion, I don't think there's going to be anything else happen until somebody decides or learns what Notre Dame wants to do.
4: Well, that's certainly an open question, and I I know there are insider, there's insider information that I don't have, but I just don't see how they're going to get out of that contract. I just that, and you know who's at the in the forefront of that? Jim Phillips, because Jim Phillips has got him hogtied. He's got him hogtied. <laughs> Can they get out of that? Don't know. That's the question of the morning. you has got them hog-tied until the mid-30s.
0: <laughs> it is uh, 10.30. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the hour. And we'll be back with more. Lon I Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 10.32, I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate. With you until 11 o'clock. We've been uh, talking sports, as we always do, from 9 to 11. Since 9 o'clock this morning, we're happy to welcome to the program, uh, first time as a head coach, Dee Brown, who was named this week as head coach at Roosevelt University, the Lakers, up in uh, the Chicago area. Good morning, uh, Dee. Congratulations. How are you? Oh,
13: good morning. Thanks for having me, you guys. I feel awesome.
0: So um, give us a little bit uh, of an update on how this all came about. Was it uh, something you kind of uh, have been keeping an eye out for in, uh, as far as a step in your career?
13: Oh no! It was all it was all timing. You know they had a coach there who had been there for twelve twelve years and he resigned and uh, it, it it came available and had a um, guy I worked for uh, worked with at UIC in a leadership role over there and I reached out to one of my guys and told him I was I had serious interest in taking a job and everything else has been uh it, it was a process but it was a really thorough done job by their leadership and um. Man, I'm very happy to be the head coach at Roosevelt University.
0: Did you know much about uh, that that program before that time?
13: Oh, I didn't. I mean, I, I, it was it's right down the street. I mean, I kind of knew a little bit about it, but once I did my research and, you know, got on campus and learned more about it, it just was a, you know, a really great opportunity for me, especially, you know, being a first-time head coach.
4: Well, D, this is Ron. Congratulations first, and tell me, do you have any assistants uh, named yet, or and what does what the staff, what is the the uh, roster look like?
13: Uh, I'm definitely in the process right now of hiring my staff. I think that's the biggest key for me is uh, always get, getting a, a, a really good team around me, um, guys who think like me, who, who grinders who love basketball. Um, so I'm right now I'm in the process of putting together my staff, and uh, we got a great core guys coming back. They won 19 games last year. Um, right now, I'm in the, in the process of trying to figure out my roster right now, but definitely trying to get some guys in there who um, you know play hard, who you know, love the game of basketball, and, and definitely degrees matter. So I'm in the process of, of doing those two things, which is really important for the program.
4: So you say you have a core guy of guys back that won 19, or, or how many players is that uh, involved?
13: Um, so the so the the, the athletic director would like me to keep. You know, probably 30, 30 guys on the roster, including oh, all wow. JV. But yeah, it's, it's it's a different it's different in AIA but But um, the core guys coming back. I mean, they got four guys as you know, four leading scores coming back who you know were there last year and, and, and been there. And then um, you know, got, got a few guys that's transferring in. So right now, just figuring out the roster and making sure we, we reach that number. But uh, you know, they, the coaching staff last year did a really good job with this with this team, and uh, I, I look forward to just taking it to the next level.
4: Do they get any kind of scholarships? The players? Oh,
13: uh, they, they they do. It, it, it's different, you know. They do. They they, they get academic help and you know, fail and merit. And it, it's definitely a different a different level. But um, they definitely figure it out and try to learn that level and, and, and get the best players you possibly can for uh, for the NAIA level.
0: Talking to D Brown, are most of those players uh, Chicago area guys?
13: Yeah, they are. I mean, that, that's going to be the thing for me. That's going to be really big. Is trying to keep guys home and. Keep, keep local guys to, to stay home and play in front of their people and build their brand right, right there in the city of Chicago. So, so many great players and you don't have a lot the players from the area that uh, get the opportunity to stay home and play.
0: Talk a little bit about uh, your experience in uh, your time, I think five years on the staff at UIC. Uh,
13: it was great. Um, thank, uh, thank coach McLean and uh, coach Yacht for uh, giving me the opportunity. Uh worked with the guards when I was there for five years and Learned a lot, you know, when I first got in, you know, the responsibilities I had and the duties that, that they gave me. You know, I try to do the best of my ability, I thought, um, get into the business. There is a lot to learn. Um, definitely a lifelong learner. So, the learning and the growing was, was great for me. It's all about timing. Um, so, for this opportunity to come when, when it did, um, you know, me being on the defensive side of the ball and working with the guards and doing different things, you um, with, for, for uic has really prepared me for uh, this moment
0: who were the some of the, the people maybe that you confided in and and spoke to when uh, thinking about taking this uh, particular opportunity
13: oh man i got great mentors man i think I, I reached out to a lot of different people who've been in this position before who have uh, been around the game and um helped they helped me even when i took the job at uic um just the, just the how to approach the day-to-day grind um how to, how, to, how to be a follower. You know, again, when you're an assistant coach, you got to, you know, really help the head coach, you know, do do, do stuff that you just don't see behind um, closed doors. But I uh, just really confide in my people who have been in the game for a long time and really helped me and know that I'm, I, I'm not too proud to ask for help.
4: D, a lot of years gone by since 2005. 37-2, two, what a record and what a season. What do you think about when you th- hark back to that time?
13: um just the team the brotherhood you know the 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 mentality of just you know the winning mentality i i would just tell you that we always focus on winning we always approach the game um we always approach the game with that winning mentality and to be, to come up short you know six points you know from from being for you know national championships and having a perfect uh season is just uh, I'm probably still not over it, you know. So you wanted to win a Natty so bad, you know, went to the University of Illinois to win a national championship. But what I took from that is just the team, the brotherhood, um, how the, the how and the why, you know. What I mean, so how, how you how you approach the game, you know. Wh- why we play this sport, you know, the great Illinois fans down there, um, it just it's just a, it was a great moment, great time that I never nah, I never forget.
0: We had your coach on. Uh- Bruce Weber, just a couple of weeks ago, he sounded a little bit to me like a duck out of water because <laughs> he, he doesn't uh, have a gig right now. What do you think he'll do?
13: Oh, uh, I think I think Bruce Weber will land a job next year for sure. He, he, he turned down a couple this year. I think he uh, he'll be back um, with a really nice job next year. And he he got, he, got, he got a lot of he got a lot in the tank. man. He's a really really good coach. Phenomenal basketball mind.
0: Dee, did you feel that uh, this move to an NAI school as a head coach um, was the, the track that you wanted to go, as opposed to maybe be uh, getting a different uh, assistant job, maybe at a bigger uh, NCAA school?
13: Oh, no, right, you know, it's a great time to lead. You know, I'm, 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 I always say that I've been, I wanted to be a head coach didn't matter the level. I want to go and, 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 and be uh, be the guy. I want to sit in that chair and, and, and learn and grow and, and have head coach experience, so no, this is perfect timing for me. I'm, I'm very excited, humble, humble because I know there's a lot of guys who been in the business for a really long time and haven't haven't had an opportunity to be a head coach. So uh, I'm blessed. You know, I'm not looking at you know whatever level God wanted me on. Man, I'm, I'm I'm just gonna put my head down, get to work, make sure make sure I do it the right way, and um, build something real special here in Chicago.
0: Last time I bumped into you was just a couple of weeks ago down at the uh, U of I golf course. Uh, how's your golf game? You going to be able to play some more yet before you get too busy?
13: Man, I, I always sneak down, man. I'm always in Champaign. Love it down there. I love coming down there and golf. A lot of people. got still got great people down there that I connect with. Um, golf is just a different game, man. Get you outdoors. Get your mind off things. Um, I'm not a great golfer, but I do enjoy the game and um, love what it does for my mind and, and you know, peace of
0: mind. We had uh, Mike Small on the show uh, just uh, a little bit ago Um on this particular show, and he played this week with Darren Williams, who was in town, and uh, Darren uh, got pretty serious about golf, didn't
13: he? Oh, Darren is really good. Darren got the stimulators in the house and, all, and everything. Darren's a, you know, very intense competitor. So when you get out there on the golf course, what do I mean? He, he really gets after it. So definitely, definitely a good golfer. If I golf like Darren, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. I'd probably be tra- traveling the, ro- the, war- the world playing against people. Um, no, golf is a good game, and uh, Darren definitely one of the guys that made me get out there and work on my game.
4: I'm going to take you back to when you put that uh, when the when the team kind of was put together and you, and you were recruited. Um, James Augustine was not really considered a top level center out of high school, I don't think. I mean, he was a very good player. But was Illinois really intensely interested in it? And how much? Did, what part did you play in getting James Augustine to Illinois?
13: Oh, great question! I think that that goes back to I've always wanted to win. Had that winner mentality. Uh, me and James played. Hey, you together won a lot of games. Families became tight from being on the road. Uh, I think James late started getting like Purdue and uh, you know other schools like that. But um, it was a no-brainer for me to recruit and tell uh, James, let's go play together. It's, it, it, it turns out that we the winners players in program history due to us and our brotherhood and him believing in me. And so when I'm picking my teams, I'm, I'm, I'm on any team and you get to recruit guys, you know, I recruited Darren, I recruited James. I mean, you, you, you I, I thought winning, I thought I want to play with guys who have my mentality, who work. Um, James is an unbelievable person. Uh, academically, he's a great student, had a great family. It just all makes sense when you, when you pick winners and, and, you know years later we still the winner's players in program history
4: well he really fit well into that team and i i still look back at that final game against north carolina where he was limited to was it 7 minutes in the whole game that he actually played without before he fouled out
13: it was rough i mean it was it, it was it was games where you know I, I going into them that was the thing that we that i thought was the biggest key to the game was we can't, we can't have Darren in foul trouble, and we can't have James in foul trouble in the games. We had those two guys with the foul trouble, we struggled.
4: Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great memory anyway. It's the only team that's ever reached the final game in the NCAA tournament. So,
0: Hey, Dave, good to catch up with you. I, I think you'll have a lot of fans down here that have now added or will soon add the Roosevelt Lakers to their favorite teams to <laughs> keep track of.
13: Man, I really appreciate that. And, again, it's it's the the reason why I picked the University of Illinois. Uh, Everything about it that, you know, represents the people are amazing. Uh, I I just appreciate the support always.
0: Maybe one of these days you can get an exhibition game with uh, the Fighting Illini at the State Farm Center.
13: Oh, man, that would be great if Brad and them, you know, do that. But I get it. You know, I understand the business. But I enjoy watching his program and what they're doing down there. And uh, definitely watch it. Definitely put my shirt on when the games come on. Definitely a proud alum and a, and a fan of the program. Just how tough they play, how much energy and passion that they, they exude. You know, every single day. You know, everyday guys. So, um, definitely watching the program and loving what they're doing.
0: Well, good luck to you, D. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it very much.
13: Man, appreciate you guys.
10: Peace.
0: Mm-hmm. D. Brown with us, the new head coach at Roosevelt University. You can get a D. Brown jersey if you want one. Still a very popular item at game day spirit. The Fighting Illini Fan Store, they've got a free weekend, free shipping weekend underway right now, this weekend. You can shop Illini gear and gifts at gamedayspirit.com and get free shipping on your order. They've got new arrivals, and they've got your classic favorites like uh, D-Brown jerseys as well, all available. So go to um, gamedayspirit.com to check that out. And if you're out and about this summer, they've got some Thursday deals going on. Uh, that include twenty percent off select sweatshirts, or you could buy one get one fifty percent off on Fighting Illini hats of all kind. That's every Thursday this summer at the corner of Sixth and Green in Campus Town, Game Day Spirit, where Illini fans shop. <laughs> you got a game, you got a D Brown jersey, Lauren? I got a uh, one man
4: fast break. Do you? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really. it
0: would be good to have though. <laughs> take a break. The rest of the show, we've got an open line. We can go back to the Big Ten expansion. You didn't get in earlier and you'd like to now. Give us a call, 217-356-9397. Back after this. 10.47, phone line open, 217-356-9397. Little Dwight Yoakam there for you. A thousand miles from nowhere. Does that describe the new travel plans for <laughs> so. Big Ten teams? And you know what? We haven't said this, and, and but I think you've got to, uh, as much heat as Kevin Warren took during uh, the last few years, maybe you need to tip his, your hat to him a little bit uh, on this, Lauren, uh, with the expansion to include uh, Southern Cal and USC. You've got to give credit somewhere.
4: Well... I I just think that it it all came down to the realization that within two years the media deal for the Pac-12 was going to run out. They don't have a single uh, network like the ACC has ESPN. The Big Ten has Fox. The a- a- uh, ACC and SEC both have a- ESPN and they see this thing as dwindling rather than going the other direction and don't you think that i mean they just looked at the the 33 million they're getting and they looked at the 55 million that all the big 10 schools are getting and think that's i think that's 22 million dollars difference <laughs> <You> <laughs> and think? then it's going to be a whole lot more in the future so what why wouldn't they want to do this and why wouldn't other Pac-12 schools want to do the same thing if they could? I think the Big Ten has just accepted the, the bid of those two, and now they're going to have to weigh the bids of others. Is there somebody there that has the backing, uh, has the support, both the, and, and has the viewership, which is critical? Because in the final analysis, the, uh, the TV people are, are involved in these decisions. They're very much involved.
0: Let's go back to the phones, a call from Prescott, Arizona. Vic is with us. What's on your mind, Vic? Uh,
10: good morning, gentlemen. I was wondering if you could share any insight you might have with respect to this 6'11 kit from France that is apparently coming.
0: Yes, he is coming. He uh, officially signed Jeremy Perrain is his name, and a uh, very versatile guy that uh, Brad Underwood uh, told us yesterday that uh, has been playing against older competition um, in uh, Spain and uh, good competition, and he'll he'll be here in August. He's got some more basketball to play this summer, but they really like uh, his upside and uh, what he brings to the table. How he figures into the rotation right now, I don't think anybody knows, but we don't know a lot about the rotation f- for anybody, really.
4: He's just going to have to go out and compete against yeah. uh, Dane Danger and see which one's the best, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, it be. I think we. You have to think a little bit about the future for him and hope that you can keep him for more than one year. And I'm. I'm not saying he's ready for the NBA after one year at all. I'm just saying that everybody's mobile these days, very mobile, and so you would hope you could develop him and and maybe he'd be a quality player in two or three years.
10: A six eleven left handed kid sounds like a, a, a an intriguing opportunity.
4: Well, shooting's part of it, but there's an awful lot of basketball involved in defense and, and rebounding and all these other factors and how you pass and how you mix and how you learn, and I, I have no idea. I mean, I just you know, have no, I wouldn't, you know, if he walked in the door, I, I guess I've seen a picture of him, I, I might recognize him, I but think, I don't know how he's going to play. I I think no he's, he
0: fits into the mold of what Brad Underwood's trying to get now, guys that are long and, uh, and lanky and can play more than one position.
4: Yeah, but he's had, the court. He's brought in several others who were long and lanky and could play multiple positions, and they're gone.
0: Well, they are, but they're gone at every. Yeah, stu- I mean, no, I just. Everybody mean loses it. It. I mean,
4: he's had a couple that weren't yes. good enough. I mean, right, and 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 we had a, we've had what nine guys. Listen, let me get this right. We've had th- three seniors graduate and seven players with eligibility, starting with Corbello and going all the way up, who left. With you know, who left when they could have stayed here and played
0: right, anything else, Vic? what about Bosman
10: Verdonk? is he gone yes, uh, yes. he, yes, he yes, went yes, to yes. South Carolina to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah. Hey, well,
0: we've got you there uh, living in Arizona with this big Ten expansion. Any thoughts about uh, Arizona and Arizona State? Is there any talk out there about uh, what their interests could be?
11: Well, I haven't
10: really seen very much, but I have to say that I don't think people out here were all that surprised to see this movement. I think it's kind of a recognition that the, uh, that the Pac-12, uh, is rather a dying conference, and and people are looking obviously for opportunities where they can find them. And I think uh, Arizona and Arizona State, uh, obviously Arizona in basketball, and uh, Arizona State in terms of their overall program, I think they're a pretty attractive options.
0: All right, we appreciate the call. Thanks for listening out there.
10: Thanks so much.
0: You bet. Ten fifty three still. Time for a couple of calls. If you'd like to uh, jump in, 217-356-9397. I told you about two hours ago I was going to get you updated on last night's baseball scores and never did. <laughs> you <laughs> well, said, do we have to?
4: Well, the scores were 5-3, 6-4, 2-0, and 9-12. And,
0: uh, <laughs> well, you were close. What score was 5-3. That was the Phillies Cardinals. I Cardinal afraid game. of that. <laughs> <laughs> Phillies beat the Cardinals 5-3. The,
4: the, the Phillies beat Arenado. They he, did. Single, double, triple, and a homer. How about and, that? For and,
0: he, and he helped them a little bit with an error, too. Oops. Arenado did. <laughs> yeah, he hit for the cycle for the first time in a while. Yeah, second
4: yeah. time in, in his career in the major leagues.
0: Yes, but the first time for that a Cardinal has done it since uh, Mark, what's that? Uh, Graselotic, uh, yes. Okay, <clears throat> yeah, okay. He did. Back in 2004 or something like that. I forgot. Did you? <laughs> yes, sir. Cubs are playing the Red Sox, and uh, Boston jumped out to a lead, but the Cubs won the ballgame 6-5. to five. The White Sox, playing out west, scored a run in the top of the ninth to beat the Giants one to nothing. Very good. Golf, the John Deere classic, continues over in the Quad Cities. JT posted one of those guys that you don't know who he is. Right. That's exactly right. Has <laughs> a four-shot lead. After rounds of 62 and 65, he's 15 under par. Nick Hardy in the field made the cut on the number. He is minus three. Rounds of 71 and 68, D.A. Points uh, missed the cut with the rounds of uh, 75 and 69. That's over in uh, Silvis, Illinois. That's going on I, I this think
4: D.A. Points has only made the cut like twice in the last, oh, more than a dozen tournaments.
0: That's true. He's kind He's of been, really in, having trouble. been in a little bit of a slump. Um, we had Justin Spring on a little bit earlier. We had Mike Small. Been a pretty busy, active day. We'll take our final break, and we'll be back with some final words after this. Stay with us. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. I Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The La Nivella 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com. <laughs> Here it is, 1058. Oh, sometimes behind the scenes commercial uh, time is the most most fun we have with Mr. Tate in the room. At least, hey, you know what yesterday was? What? Besides July first, there's a one year anniversary of uh-huh. NIL. Oh yeah, when that started. Cam Cox. Cam Cox has been a busy guy since yeah. since that time. But uh,
4: we need to get him on again one it, of these it's days. It's time. Yeah, he's really good.
0: Because things uh, change so fast in that, and they're learning stuff, new stuff every day. And uh, so, yeah, we'll get him on. A lot of we've got some text uh, messages here uh, with the addition of the two California schools, with that help of uh, the U of I and West Coast recruiting. Yeah, mm. we'll, we'll, I don't know that it will hurt anything, but I'm not sure it's a, an immediate help. But uh, if they're going to recruit that area, the, having those two teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, let me say this. It, would put the Big Ten network probably in the in LA, so they would be more aware of mm-hmm. schools like that's a good Illinois. point. Yeah,
4: I think that's right.
0: So that yes, in that regard, it might. And uh, everybody's still talking about the travel, but they'll they'll figure the travel. And if part you out. travel
4: out there and play, you you might be able to make contact with people while you're out there.
0: And the, the teams will figure that out. It will be. Some challenges, and as it will be, on whether you go divisions. Bob Osperson had a story in the paper this morning about how he would do it uh, in the divisions. I'm
4: at a loss on how they're going to do it, the, whether they will have divisions, not have divisions, how they'll line this up. I just can't imagine anything that will be good. It, it's going to be a problem, no matter what they do. If you just put 16 schools in, in, and line them up and have, you know, and play, you're only going to have. You're only gonna play nine te- games.
0: I like the idea of two eight team eight team divisions better than better than four pods. My favorite. The four teams.
4: But you know, I, I don't know how you what are you gonna do? Just you almost have to go geographic. I mean, do you want Penn State and Rutgers to be in the same division with, with UCLA?
0: Really? Might, might not be able to help it.
4: Yeah, I know. I, I, I just say, it. I, I, whatever you come up with, I don't think I like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank, thank you, Mr. Tate. On that note, we're going to say goodbye. We appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks to everybody for listening on WDWS 93.9 FM. Champagne Urbana, this is Steve Kelly. Have a great weekend. Holiday weekend.